the Gritty Growing Up podcast. Because mental health conversations don't have to be uncomfortable and argumentative. Gritty Growing Up is about challenging the perceptions of childhood and recognising that whilst it isn't what it used to be, we can still make it positive. Join us as we share conversations, knowledge and strategies to help your family connect and move forward together. And welcome back to Gritty Growing Up. Now this week, the subject that's come up most frequently in my therapy office has been about shame. Whether it's shaming a child because of they haven't worn the right uniform today, or because their eyelashes are too long, or because they haven't behaved the way that is expected of them. Something that has really come to the fore in my office over the last few weeks is the amount of young people feeling incredible amounts of shame because of the way that adults have managed situations. Now, whilst we can all appreciate that it's really important to follow rules and that we have to ensure that young people understand those things, the way that we manage it is very, very important. Once upon a time, to use shame to motivate or control behaviour was perhaps a typical psychological method. We knew it was a way of encouraging people to do the right thing. But shame is one of the biggest negative emotions that a person can experience. In my therapy work, if we have a client who has a lot of shame, that's the thing that we work as as a priority to help remove some of their other symptoms. Whilst in some situations, shame can be beneficial, preventing us from wanting to hurt others or we don't want to cause those that we love pain. Maybe it's stopping us from doing things that might cause our peers or our family to reject us. When we use shame as a way to try and manipulate, control or coerce particular behaviours, it can have a massively negative effect on young people. Now, I want you to think, even as an adult, the impact that shame has perhaps had on you in your childhood, your adolescence or in your adult years. And the way that we remember those feelings that came up from the things that people said to us. Now, frequently, there can be a misconception that using shame is guilting a child into performing particular behaviours or helping them to correct their behaviour. Guilt and shame are very, very different emotions. The issue with shame is that it only carries one message. I am bad. If a child grows up believing that they're bad and that everyone around them believes this as well, it lowers their expectations of themselves and their motivation. So when we're using shame to try and create certain types of behaviour, we can frequently actually find that it backfires on us quite hugely or that that child just becomes less and less motivated or has already labelled themselves as being useless, worthless or that they have no purpose. So therefore, they don't make any attempts to improve. In some cases where we've lowered a child's expectations of themselves, we've continually shamed them into behaviours. It can lead them into other behaviours that equally have low expectations or we can push them into situations where they're perhaps seeking out ways to numb some of that shame that they're carrying around with them. So what is shame? It's a thought... It's thought that children can experience shame from the age of 15 to 24 months of age. And shame occurs when we have any feelings of being small, worthless, humiliated, rejected, disappointed, that feelings that we want to disappear, that we're not being good enough. It might lead to feelings of self-loathing or disgust. The issue with shame is it's toxic, whether it's that we're shaming our partners, shaming our children or shaming our adolescents or shaming our work colleagues or friends. Shame causes damage and it can occur in so many situations, whether it is at home or at work, in the classroom, on social media, in sports clubs, activities, after school activities, whilst we're gaming, in our friendship groups or on our school reports or through professional feedback. It's something that has an impact that we very rarely talk about. 
Shame is really complex and it can be triggered in so many situations, but often shaming is done in the heat of the moment. It's not intentional and sometimes it comes from our own frustrations or struggles or feelings of being completely overwhelmed. So frequently when I speak to parents who have perhaps shamed their child and know that they've done the wrong thing, they don't know how to handle it because it wasn't done with intent. They didn't do it thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to set out to do. And it's first of all recognising that the use of shame is often learnt from social learning. It's from our own upbringing and our experiences that we have witnessed that has normalised using shame to us. Now, whether this is that when we were at school, shame was used, whether it was humiliating us in front of our peers or pulling us out for not doing well at school or whether it was our parents highlighting to a family friend or to a family member what you haven't done, many people have experienced shame. And when we've learned those behaviours, when we've experienced those behaviours, they become normalised to us. Now, we might see, for example, parents, professionals, adults, those in society, those online who publicly call a child or teenager out for their mistakes. Whether we're putting a post on social media, shaming and highlighting a a child's behaviour, whether we're sharing embarrassing stories or photographs of our child on social media without consideration of the impact that will have if another adult sees them or that that child sees them later on. might be sharing someone's private conversations with others intentionally making a child feel bad, trying to guilt them into correcting their behaviour or guilt them into feeling better about something, doing something better. Might be consistently listing all the things that we don't like or are not happy about a child. Only ever commenting on what a child's done wrong or does not do. You know, even if they've done really well at school today, we're telling them how bad they are because they haven't tidied up their bedroom, they haven't helped around the house, they haven't done the things that we expected them to do. It can be about announcing a child's mistakes or wrongdoings to others, using a child as an example to the class of how not to behave or how not to do their homework. Sometimes it can be just referring to a child as bad or naughty or useless. It can be shouting and screaming at a child or teenager, especially in front of other people, telling a child that they're not wanted because of their behaviour, humiliating them for their behaviours to their friends, families or teachers highlighting a child's weaknesses, fears or worries to others without their permission, shaming them for not completing their homework in front of the class, constantly bringing up their failures or their mistakes, not ever letting go of the past. It can be children excluding others from their social group, making comments, bullying, like pointing out their differences or developmental issues that they therefore don't want them to be their friend. It can be about being spoken about negatively to others without awareness or being told afterwards that someone was talking about us. It can be about being called out for errors. It can be about telling you that you've let people down for making an error in judgment. It can be being told that they failed because they didn't meet expectations. It could be using charts or point systems and recording achievements in one way that actually excludes other children in the class. It makes it impossible for some children to achieve. It can be labelling a child as bad, naughty, lazy, not capable or unreliable or telling a child that you're tired of them or that you're going to give them away or that we don't want them anymore. We really need to be aware that so often we can cause shame without meaning to. So many of these examples are things that so many people grew up having done to them frequently, but we didn't recognise the impact that they can have. But equally, I want us to think about today about what about those children who are actually doing well, who are shamed for being academic or capable or too independent? 
what about those situations where we make a fuss or embarrass them for doing too well or being too clever or comparing them to others or making comments which make them feel bad for achieving, whether that is even comparing them to a sibling who's perhaps more sporty. Why can't you be more sporty like your sibling? might be highlighting their behaviours to others. can be disregarding their achievements because they always make them, telling them we're not proud or not acknowledging their achievements which are not in line with our desires. Shame has a huge impact on children, on teenagers and therefore in later adult life. So many children and teenagers who have experienced shame take that shame into their adulthood. So many adults that I meet in my work have experienced huge quantities of shame from adults who were in part of their childhood and they're still carrying that with them. When we experience shame, we can have symptoms such as avoiding eye contact. They might try to hide from the world, maybe having slumped posture, trying to keep themselves small, out of sight, out of mind. They might freeze when they're spoken to or the attention's on them, worrying about what's going to be said next. They might blush or run off or hide. They might actually refer to themselves as being stupid or useless or not having a a purpose or a point. They might comment that people don't like them, be very sensitive to feedback, whether that's positive or negative. They might be worried about what people think of them. They might reduce their attendance in school or clubs to avoid that shame from occurring. You might see a downturn in academic or skill-based achievements because the shame has meant that their self-worth is reduced and therefore they don't feel that they can be do it or they shouldn't be doing it. We might see avoidance or disconnecting from those around us or a reluctance to try new things. Studies have identified that children who experience high levels of shame have higher activity in their amygdala, that threat centre in the brain. And children, by nature, we have to remember are inquisitive. They want to explore, learn, they have to find out about their environment and therefore they are going to make more mistakes. Those of you that follow our podcast regularly will know that I've frequently spoken about the fact that the prefrontal cortex and child's brain that's about logic and reason and problem solving doesn't develop until their adolescence. So children will make more mistakes because they're experimenting, they're learning, they're learning by doing because they've got to have those experiences to be able to do that. The issue that we so often have is children are held to higher consequence for those mistakes despite having less life experience. When we're constantly being told that we're not good enough, it can cause us heightened stress and anxiety as well as a fear of rejection. And we found that for those who have experienced high levels of shame, it increases our susceptibility for depression, anxiety and feelings of paranoia. And because it's such a complex emotion, it has implications for our emotional, intellectual and social development. So when we're using shame to punish a child, we're using shame to try and guilt a child into behaving in a certain way, we can actually be doing a lot of damage in terms of their emotional development. So further, we need to consider that if a child is constantly experiencing shame, they're conditioned to being told that they're worthless and that becomes our norm. It becomes normal to be constantly told that I'm not good enough. And their abilities and to recognise that they actually have worth and that they're good enough reduces by the day. Every time we shame a child, it increases their risks of emotional abuse and prevents them from having healthy emotional boundaries. And we know from basic safeguarding that if a child does not have healthy emotional boundaries, they are at higher risk of abuse from their peers, from adults, from getting themselves into situations where they might be in danger because they actually cannot see their own worth. If they're used to being told that they're not good enough, they're used to being shamed all the time, what happens when they're then in a friendship group or a romantic relationship where they're equally being treated like that? 
When shame is used to motivate children, it actually has the opposite effect. It can lead to a child being secretive, lying, reduce their problem-solving skills, make them stagnant. It stops them from achieving. It stops them from moving forward. It can cause us to be demotivated, and it means that they can actually think that they cannot change. It reduces our self-worth and self-esteem. It devalues them, and it leads them to placing less value on themselves. They're less likely to argue back. Because if you're continually being told by the adults around you that you're not good enough, eventually we believe it. So we really need to consider how we can stop the shaming and reduce those emotions and increase children's self-worth. And that can start off by ensuring that we don't use labels. Avoiding labels such as naughty or stupid or badly behaved because when we're using those labels other adults begin to believe them as well and that child's center of their world becomes even smaller because every adult has got that belief system it can very frequently mean that children do not have an opportunity to change pointing out their weaknesses or shortfalls only reduces our self-worth and I want you to think today about yourself as an adult if you were in a relationship or You've got friends or family members who constantly tell you that you're not good enough, that constantly tell you how naughty you are, that constantly tell you how bad you are, how that would impact you as an adult with life experience and the ability to reason and rationalise. And then I want you to think about that impact on a child who cannot do that. So we really need to actively work on reducing these labels. We need to really focus on using talking voices, not shouting voices. When we're shouting and we're escalating with a child, we are preventing them from communicating. We're actually preventing them from being able to move forward or learn from the situation. So it's about sometimes going against the grain, changing our instincts and saying, actually, we're going to talk through these struggles or challenges or obstacles and focus on connecting so that we can help that child move forward. We need to consider what's under the behaviour. Considering that child is an iceberg and you can only see one third of what's going on, consider what else might be going on. Have you got a child in your class? Have you got a child that you work with who actually there is a real lack of eye contact? There is a real lack of self-esteem and self-worth and consider maybe where that's come from. We need to step away from public humiliation. Never in the history of the world did shouting at someone change their behaviour. Neither did posting it on Facebook, Instagram, social media, telling our friends or standing having a conversation about our child in front of other people. If your partner, your colleague was to stand and have a conversation about you in front of your friends that was derogatory, negative, mean, how would you feel? So why do we think it's acceptable to do that to our children? So really pulling people who we do see doing that, just giving a quiet word and explaining the impact that those things can have, but also considering the impact that that might have on the child who comes across that post or that child who a family friend mentions that post to them and the additional shame that that then carries as well. Recognising their successes. So yes, children might make mistakes. Children might not do what we're expecting. But if we can balance the feedback and ensure there's positives and negatives and that they can see that they have good qualities and traits, they can have a clearer perspective on themselves and we can too. Helping them to increase their emotional literacy, so supporting them to develop the language skills for their feelings so they feel more confident to express themselves and ask for help. We need to be aware of our own fears because some subjects can make us feel fearful and therefore it can actually affect how we react to things. So I want you to consider things like underage sex, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, provocative behaviours and the unease that some of those conversations can have with people and consider 
what we need to work through as adults to ensure that if our child comes to us with those things that we don't shame them for bringing them up and we actually praise them for wanting to have those conversations we need to create safe spaces treating children and teens as we want to be treated but create safe and trusted spaces where they can talk to us without judgment and without shame so that actually we can utilize problem solving and connection Find productive ways to vent your own frustrations, whether we're a parent, whether we're a professional, whether we're a family member. It's about considering that when we're frustrated, we can project this onto other people. So whether we go off and find a therapist, a coach, a trusted friend, a support group or a professional of some kind, it's finding positive ways to manage our own emotions so that we best support our children and young people. When we consider how we best manage shame and how we can reduce that, we can improve children's outcomes. Shame doesn't have a space in society. It's a massively negative emotion that can create a snowball effect into other problems. So today I want your take home to be just considering, do you know any parents, any professionals, any adults that perhaps they could just do with a quiet word, maybe a little bit of prompting, maybe a little bit of education, because as I said at the start of this podcast, so rarely is shame used with intent it's something that's done inadvertently it's something that's done subconsciously and we need to take the time to correct that because in a time when we know that mental health has been so so hard for so many children and young people we need to ensure that we're actually offering them the best support and that starts with the way that we talk to them and the way that we talk about them so until next time keep safe keep talking look after each other and we'll be back soon with more episodes of gritty growing up Stay safe, keep open-minded, and we'll look forward to sharing more gritty moments with you next time. If you want to up your knowledge in the meantime, head over to www.dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com.